Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I want to talk to you about sanctification of the soul because I think this is a very important subject. Um, If you pull up our statement of faith, statement of belief, you know, with the church on the website or you come to our membership class or, you know, anything and you you see what one of the things we believe um, is sanctification. And let me explain to you what that is because, see, there's salvation and then there's sanctification. And a lot of people don't understand the difference, and I want to really focus on what that is about, the purpose of sanctification in our lives. And I want us to begin by going to our foundation scripture. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. If you have your Bibles, open them, or you're using an application or a Bible app on a phone or smart device, go with me to the Amplified Classic, AMPC. Not the AMP, the new revised amplified, where they have actually de-amplified it. It's not as amplified as it used to be, you know. So I like the amplified classic. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, And may the God of peace himself sanctify you. So this is a biblical thing. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Sanctification is in the Bible. Through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy consecrated to God. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, it's also interesting that, of course, the Thessalonian letters really are also very prophetic about the end times. Um, Some of the great revelations that the Apostle Paul gives about the end times is in the Thessalonian letters, and he actually talks about the rapture, the coming of the second coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, um, you know, the catching away of the saints, and, of course, the second coming of the Lord. And if you notice that this, this verse right here is tied to the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that the church would be preserved sound and complete and blameless. And so it really is also referring a lot to the end times because we know that in the last days there will be perilous times. Paul warned about it, that people will be heeding doctrines of devils, being seduced by seducing spirits and will be propagating a lot of false doctrine. And then also he talks about the condition of mankind in the last days And, of course, he talks about how those that are in the faith will fall away from the faith because heeding doctrines of devils and false doctrines and all kinds of rubbish that will be propagated on the planet. And then, of course, the condition of man's hearts, they will fail them. The love of many will grow cold, as Jesus warned about it. And Paul says that people will become lovers of entertainment, lovers of self, lovers of money, you know, and then they'll be covenant breakers and and all kinds of things. So... We are talking about a time where in the last days, it's going to be very, very challenging for believers because of the condition of the environment. See, we are in the world. We're not of the world, but we're still in the world. And the world around us is getting worse and worse where the Bible says 
that evil man will grow worse. Amen. Being deceived and deceiving many. So deception, just the condition of people's hearts, attitudes, I mean, their speech, everything. Everything's just going to be terrible, and we're going to be surrounded by this thing. And so we have to understand what sanctification is and how important it is for the believer to walk in the path of righteousness, not to go off to the left, not to go off to the right, and just to really stay with the Lord because many, many, many will be sidetracked. Many will be deceived. Many will actually fall away from the faith. The, the word is there. It's the, 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 the strong delusion of the last days. That people are being given over to strong delusion, people of a reprobate mind, and we are dealing with all of that. So now notice this. It says, may the God of peace. That actually is one of the seven covenant names of God as he introduced himself in the Hebrew language in the, under the Old Testament. One of them was Jehovah Shalom. God who is our peace. So may the God of peace, God who is our peace. And, and this is not talking about peace that's some kind of a feeling of peace. This is talking about a peace that basically covers every area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. I mean, peace in your spirit, peace in your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Peace in your body, which is walking in health and healing and wholeness and strength. Peace in your entire life, peace in your relationships, peace in your family, peace in your business, peace in your ministry, peace in your finances. The peace of God that just covers everything because shalom is not just talking about a sense of peace. It actually talks about being prosperous, being whole, being, you know, being well and living a life that is absolutely stable and strong. That's what true peace is. And to have true peace in the midst of the storms of life, the storms that break out in the world, means to be founded on the rock. I'm talking about the kind of peace like Jesus had was when he was sleeping in the back of the boat in the middle of the storm. When the disciples were in panic, when the disciples were absolutely freaking out, you know, they thought they were going to die. They were in total fear. Jesus is sleeping, sound asleep, in total peace in the back of the boat. And he was actually quite upset that they woke him up and they told him, Lord, do you not care? Don't you see we're perishing? Don't you care about us? You know, don't you see that we're perishing? And Jesus said, you of little faith, why did you fear? You know, so we have to come to that place of being sanctified through and through and you need to understand what sanctification is and I'm going to kind of build on it, but the key here is, and I like how the Amplified puts it, first, separate you yourself from profane things, okay? And then, consecrate yourself to God. The reason a lot of Christians have trouble to fully consecrate to God is because they've never first separated. See, you have to first separate before you can consecrate. You have to separate from the things of the flesh. You have to separate yourself from the world. You have to separate yourself from everything that's unclean, fleshly, carnal, sinful, everything that's just wrong, everything that is against the word of God. You have to first separate yourself before you can consecrate to God. The reason people can't consecrate is because they still haven't fully separated. The world still has a hook in them. There's still carnality in their lives. There's still the unrenewed mind. There's still the fleshly thoughts. And there's all that stuff of the worldliness, the carnality, and then religiousness. Ugh. 
So there has to be first a separation. Because religion is just nothing but dead works of the flesh. And so you have to separate yourself because if you, talk, if you think about this in Hebrews 6 when it talks about the principal doctrine of Christ, the first one is repentance from dead works. It's not just repentance from sin. It's also repentance from dead works. Anything that's produced out of the flesh. You have to separate yourself from anything that's going to be produced out of the flesh in order for you to walk in the fullness of what God has for you in the spirit. Walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Amen. So say this after me. I, have, I must first separate from the world, from all profane things, before I can fully consecrate to the things of God. And that's basically what repentance really is. That you were walking in one direction, you stop, you completely turn around, 180, 180 degree turn, you turn your back on the world, you turn your back on sin, you turn your back on everything of the past, and then you now face God, you consecrate yourself to Him, and you walk in a completely different opposite direction. That's what repentance is. It means to change, and it actually means to change your mind to change your decisions, to, ch to change your direction. So repentance is really how sanctification begins. And it's also important to understand that we are what? Three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. All right? Now the real you is the spirit you. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You are not a soul. You have a soul which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a body. That's the house. That's the container. Amen? So say this after me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, of course, the, the world works from outside in. They only see the outside. Everything's on the outside. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. God works from the inside out. So it's important that we see spirit, soul, and body. That order is the divine order. That's the order of priority. That's the order of importance because God begins to work first and foremost in our spirit. Amen. And the Bible also talks about the inner man versus the outer man. The outer man would be the body. The inner man would be the spirit and the soul, what we don't see. Now, what happens here is this. When you, are a, when you become born again, when you become a born-again Christian, that means you come to that place of repentance. You understand that you have to repent. You have to surrender your life to God. And the Bible says, "If those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, right? If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So salvation comes at that moment of decision, at that moment of repentance, at that moment of confession of your faith, believing with your heart, confessing with your mouth onto Jesus that he is your Lord, your Savior, that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. Amen? And so that's something that happens. It's a miracle of God. It's called the washing of the new birth. Amen? And you need to understand that your spirit is not healed. It's not repaired. It's not renovated. It is recreated. It is regenerated. God takes out 
the stony heart he puts in a heart of flesh a new spirit he places in you he breathes into you his own life you receive the divine nature you become a partaker of the divine nature your entire nature within changes God removes the old sinful nature the nature that has fallen in Adam and he places in you a brand new nature in Christ and the Bible says those who are in Christ are new creations new creatures old things the old nature the old way of doing things the old way of being passes away behold all things are made new hallelujah so you become a new creature in Christ the moment you are born again you are now a new creation a new creature you are a new species of being you are now no longer mankind you are now God kind do you understand me if you're a born-again child of God you're not mankind well mankind I'm sorry I'm not mankind I'm sorry I might look like a man on the outside but that's just the house on the inside I'm God kind I have the God kind of life I have the eternal life of God on the inside of me I have abundant life hallelujah I have the divine nature I have now been made the righteousness of God in Christ hallelujah according to 2nd Corinthians 5 17 I'm a new creation I'm in Christ and according to verse 21 I am now the righteousness of God in Christ I have the nature of righteousness on the inside of me I am no longer a sinner I was a sinner I am now the righteousness of God because now I have the divine nature I am God kind hallelujah so you're God kind you're not mankind I don't know where mankind's going I know where mankind's going to to destruction I know where God kind is going hallelujah to their eternal home in heaven hallelujah so that's what happens when you're born again that's what happens when you're saved you receive salvation okay it is an instantaneous thing hallelujah I remember the day I got born again hallelujah the Lord had been working on me for a, a number of years I first had a supernatural encounter at the age of 17 because I come from the Islamic religion a Sunni Muslim till the age of 16 practicing and then I walked away from religion I said I can't do this anymore and then from the age of 16 17 I just got tangled up you know with all the wrong things and high school parties and the wrong people and all that kind of stuff and one night when I was 17 God spoke to me in an audible voice he said young man I have a plan for your life you will never be the same again get up and leave and I was at a party high on ecstasy instantly I was sober in my right mind and then instantly I mean I was convicted oh my I am gonna go to hell but I had no way out I didn't know because because of my the religious teaching I received there is no guarantee of salvation in religion you try you work you're trying to earn your salvation and you're never sure you can even ask the most religious person you can ask the 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 the, the best Muslim on the planet if you were to die this very second are you sure you'll go to heaven and they'll look at you and goes inshallah that means it's the will of Allah only Allah knows I don't know only God knows you can never know so you're always trying to earn your salvation work for it and that's how I was raised up so I did not have a concept of grace but as I received a revelation of grace and God was working on my heart one day one of my friends from college he came to me and he said you know and people sometimes complain about our soul winning script right it's too short you ever heard that it's too short it's almost like we have to take people through like a six-month catechism to get him saved or something 
Well, they have to get a PhD in theology to be saved. I mean, you know, the thief at the right hand of Jesus at the, <laughs> the cross. I mean, he just basically said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. Jesus said, you'll be with me in my kingdom today. I mean, that, that's how quickly the guy, that was the, that's the shortest soul winning script I've ever seen in my life. So people complain about our, our soul winning script being short. I got saved with a soul winning script that's even shorter than that. I got saved literally. The guy just literally jumped, bypassed everything, went straight to the prayer. He said, Corey, you're ready to meet Jesus. And he just grabbed my hand like this. And I mean, I, I was arrested. I, my, my mind's like, what am I doing? But I was just arrested. I know that now that I look back on it, because I didn't really understand what was happening, but I know that I was totally arrested by the Holy Ghost. And he said, say this prayer after me. You're ready to meet Jesus and my, my head's going what are you about to do but and he never asked me to close my eyes I, I don't remember but I I must have closed my eyes because I remember opening my eyes when the prayer is done and I just said something like Jesus come into my heart forgive me of all my sins save me I, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior forgive me Lord and, and save me you know and then I remember opening my eyes and the moment I opened my eyes oh my God Everything had changed. I knew. I knew instantly something had changed. I felt it. I knew it instantly. I knew. I knew. I felt completely like a new person. And I felt so changed that I jumped up from the couch where we were sitting and I ran to the restroom because I had to see my face. I ran and I'm looking at the mirror like this. I'm looking at my face and I'm thinking, I, I looked at myself and I just asked myself a question, what just happened? And I said this, did I just become a Christian? And I said, yes. You know what happens? The Bible says the Spirit of God testifies with your spirit that you are sons of God. I knew that I knew that I knew I am a Christian. I just said it, yes, I'm a Christian. And like something was just bubbling up, boiling, exploding, flowing out, bursting, I don't even know how to explain it, on the inside of me, I felt like this uncontainable joy, you know, it's like, I felt it, I felt it, I'm like, later on, of course, when the Lord called me to ministry, I went back to my nation, Turkey, and I met my wife, and I found out she did the same thing, when she prayed the sinner's prayer, she went and looked at her face in the mirror, she felt so changed, said the same thing, did I just become a Christian, you know why, because that's exactly. the image on the inside changes when you're born again the image changes and so it's almost like you want to go look at yourself in the mirror to see what changed not the same face same you know body shape same weight I didn't lose weight I didn't grow three inches taller whatever but my, my, my but my face did change in the sense the way my face looked changed it, it was shining it was full of joy it was it was different because the change on the inside will begin to reflect on the outside. The spirit reflects on the body. So that's salvation. That happens the moment you make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's a supernatural work of God. It's a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Titus 3, Paul calls it the regeneration of the new birth. The washing of the new birth. The regeneration by the Holy Spirit. By the mercy of God. It's not of our works but it's by God's grace. So it's a supernatural work. So you need to understand salvation is a free gift. Salvation, come on, say this after me. Salvation is a free gift. 
However, sanctification is not a gift. It's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Salvation is a reward. Sal uh, uh, sanctification is a reward. Salvation is a free gift. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. You receive it. But, and it's instantaneous. God does the work when you, have, when you make that decision. But sanctification is a process. Sanctification is a reward of you pressing into the things of God and doing whatever it takes to get it done. And that's why we find that in the church world that there are many, many Christians that have been saved, but they've truly still not been sanctified. They're kind of still the same. They think the same. They talk the same. They kind of still live the same because their soul hasn't been brought under the subjection of the spirit and the word of God because their mind hasn't been renewed. Their will still kind of desires the wrong things. And their emotions are still messed up. They're full of anger, bitterness, you know, jealousy, whatever, lust, perversion, you know, and, 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 and uh, offenses and stuff. And then there's negative feelings that, you know, and, and emotions that needs to get sanctified, purified, made holy. As God says, be holy for I am holy. So now you, the moment you're saved, you now begin the process of sanctification. Your spirit is saved instantly but your soul is not all right do you understand that Amen. all right hallelujah let me give you a couple of scriptures that i already referenced i'll read these from the amplified second corinthians 5 17 right therefore if any person is engrafted in christ the messiah he is a new creation a new creature altogether hallelujah that means a new species of being a god kind of person The God kind of life, the God kind of nature in a human body, just like Jesus was, the word that became flesh. 100% God, 100% man. And being in Christ is like the same thing. God imparts into you his divine nature, but you still have this physical earthly body. Amen. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. And 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin. In other words, he became a sin offering so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. I like that, endued with, viewed as being, and examples of righteousness. So then, basically, God imparts righteousness to you. You become a righteous man. You become a righteous woman when you're born again. God calls you righteous. And the prayers of a righteous man or woman has great power, avails much. Hallelujah. So you become the righteousness of God. You, you, you have a new identity in Christ. And now you need to begin to understand that identity and that identity needs to be developed in your soul because that's where the biggest battle is going to be. And a Christian that is born again, spirit-filled, but yet still hasn't had their soul sanctified at all or fully sanctified is going to struggle because there's going to be like two different things battling against one another. And the Galatians 5 talks about it, the spirit and the flesh, they kind of contradict each other they actually strive against each other and that fleshly nature which is the unrenewed soul the unrenewed mind 
the emotions that have not been been harnessed and sanctified you know because there are holy emotions like peace and joy those are good those are emotions amen because a lot of times people accuse us of being emotional here wow you just all you pentecostal you people get filled with joy laughing that it's all about emotion absolutely god created us with emotions we're not a bunch of robots amen, amen. not some statues <laughs> hallelujah joy is a good emotion love is a good emotion peace is a good emotion amen but rage and wrath and depression and jealousy those are bad and they need to get burnt out of your life by the fire of the holy ghost and the word of god washing you and cleansing you amen, amen. now look at this hebrews chapter 10 verse 39 are you getting something out of this today is this helping anybody all right watch this now watch this but our way okay this is hebrews 10 39 but our way is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery, perdition, and are utterly destroyed. But we are of those who believe, who cleave to, and trust in, and rely on God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and by faith preserve the soul. Another translation says saving of the soul. This is sanctification of the soul, preserving the soul by faith. So it's going to take faith for you, amen, to, to have your soul sanctified. It's not going to happen just by, by itself. If I go to church and just sit there for 10 hours every day, will I be sanctified? No, you won't. It does not happen by osmosis. It happens as a result of the amount of work that you put in that's why it says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 watch this now Philippians 2 12 therefore my dear ones talking to Christians believers as you have always obeyed my suggestions so now not only with the enthusiasm you should show in my presence but much more because I am absent so I think you know whenever the Apostle Paul would show up they all were all in their best behavior you know and then he's not away. He's like, so I understand that you put on a, your best behavior when I'm there. But when I'm gone, that's the real test of how, who you really are. You know, it's like, you know. So what does he say? But much more when I'm absent. Work out. Cultivate. Carry out to the goal. And fully complete. See, you have to have a goal. You have to have a goal that... My, the goal in my life as a Christian that I'm going to grow up spiritually and I'm going to I'm going to work out my salvation I'm going to work on my soul I'm going to work on my mind I'm going to work on my emotions and I'm going to take my will and I'm going to submit my will to the will of God work out cultivate carry out the, to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling what does that mean i gotta i gotta work for my salvation no this is not talking about salvation of your spirit being born again this is talking about the saving of the soul or sanctification of the soul you working on your life yourself with reverence right all trembling self-distrust with serious caution tenderness of conscience watchfulness against temptation timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ so this is talking about a lifestyle that you cultivate where you are 
fully consecrated to the things of God. You have separated yourself from every profane thing. I'm not going to go the way of the world. I'm not going to go the way of the flesh and carnality. I'm going to separate myself from sin. As the, the word says, come out from among them. Be my people and I'll be your God. Separate yourself. Amen. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. You know, how can light have fellowship with darkness? And how can unrighteousness have fellowship with righteousness? Right? How can Christ have fellowship with Belial? That means you've got to separate yourself. There's no in-between. You're either hot or cold. No lukewarm. No lukewarm. Not one foot in the kingdom, one foot in the world. Because they're going in the opposite directions. No wonder people are being like split in half. Because they're going in the opposite direction. So if you got a hold of the world here and you're trying to get to have a hold of God, they're going to pull you apart. Your life is going to be miserable. A born-again Christian that is carnal, that keeps yielding to carnality, is going to be the most miserable Christian on the planet. Because there's a nature on the inside of them that is absolutely, completely against what's going on on the outside. And if you're yielding to that, then what's going to happen is the Spirit of God in you will be grieved and you will just be miserable miserable when i was in turkey this last week there was a guy that came to church i'm like oh my i had not seen him in, i personally hadn't seen him in probably seven eight years nine years possibly he showed up one of the services when i was preaching and i said to my pastor i said has he been coming he goes no I, we haven't seen him in, in in years probably since the last time you saw him was the last time i saw him probably had been eight years this guy got saved in our church a turkish guy and he was there, and, uh, and he, he came up to me. He goes, you know, I haven't been in church in a long, long time. I said, I know. I, you know, I have, I have not been serving, though. But he goes, somehow just there's something on the inside of me. I just can't let go, and I just feel miserable. And it just keeps drawing me back to God. And I was in town. He's, I guess he's moved, moved to another city. I was in town, and I'm looking for a job, and... I was just drawn here, even though I've been so far away from God, somehow I was drawn. And that's exactly what it is. There's still that seed there. There's still that seed of God's life on the inside of him that just, God just won't let him go. It's, it, the seed is still there, even though he's totally been away from the things of God. He probably hadn't even thought about God in years, hadn't even probably looked at his Bible, hadn't even prayed, hadn't even thought about anything. But somehow on the inside, and he goes, I just feel miserable. In his own words, I feel divided. I said, you, yes, you do because that's the issue with you. You actually got saved here, but you're just still living out in the world. But God's hand is on you. That seed is still there. You've been born again of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. And that seed is, seed is still there trying to bear fruit, but he can't because it's being choked. It's being choked because of the environment that you've been in. The thorns, it's a seed growing among thorns. Can't bear any fruit, but it's still there, trying to still grow. Still trying to grow through those thorns. And those thorns are pricking the cares of life, lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the cares of life, everything, the world, the environment. And, and it's choking that word, but that, that seed is still trying to break through. So that's why sanctification is so vital. Otherwise, a Christian cannot really become fully whom God's intended for them to become. So you have to work out your salvation. You have to put in the work. 
And putting in the work is not coming to church once a month. The average church attendance in America, like 1.8 times a month. What is that even, 1.8 times a month? Once a month they show up fully, and the other time they show up 80%. I don't know what that even means. And then, you know, and then, and it's tough on me because I go to Turkey. I see the desperation of the people. I see the hunger. I see the thirst, you know. And I see the need for people to press in. And I mean, uh, those healing meetings were just amazing. I've never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. It was so easy to have miracles. So many miracles. Deaf ear popped open. I mean, tumors dissolved. People got delivered from all kinds of turmoil and trauma and hurts and pain. It was, it was wild, actually. And, but people are just desperate. And they, you know, and, and they, they need it and, and they welcome it when it comes. But here we have so much available, but to whom much is given, much is expected. And people take things for granted, unfortunately. You cannot take things for granted. You have to put in the work if you're going to become whom God's called you to be. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. And that process of sanctification is something you have to yield to. I am in the process of sanctification. God is working in me, sanctifying me through and through so that I will be preserved blameless at the coming of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to, because Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And I'm going to endure to the end. I don't care what happens. I don't care who says what. I don't care what happens in the economy. I don't care what happens in the elections. I don't care. I don't care about anything. I don't care about what this one says. I don't care about what that one says. I don't even care about what this preacher thinks or that preacher thinks or whatever. I don't care. I'm fully yielded. I'm fully yielded to this process of sanctification. Holy Ghost, come by your fire. Burn out everything. Everything that needs to go. Lord, come by the word. I receive the word even if the word offends me i will say yes lord yes sir i will yield i will receive i will humble myself i'll be teachable and correctable let the word of god come and do a work on the inside of me change me renew my mind change my attitudes change my emotions renew my mind wash me by the water of the word come by the fire of the holy ghost lord burn out everything burn out the dross burn out everything that's profane burn out every attitude burn out every plan and purpose that i have that does not Line up with the word, line up with the will, the plans and purposes of God for my life. Burn it out of me. Burn it out of me. Hallelujah. And you start preaching like that, you clear half the church here in America. Because some churches have already had three services while we're trying to get through one here. They're tickling ears. You know, they spend more time drinking the coffee and, and eating donuts than actually getting in the word. And they get a little 20-minute self-help, you know, uh, some kind of an ear-tickling, flesh-cuddling, convenience and comfort-motivated message just to keep them coming and sitting in the church. And they think that's success. But if the fire of God was to fall and burn out everything, who would actually be left? Who would actually be left? What would actually be left? This facade of the American church, something has to change. The nation, the nation lies, the nation lies at, the, at stake. The nation it lies in the balance. America needs a third great awakening. America needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. The only hope for this nation is a revival, is a great awakening that comes by preaching the word of God. The unadulterated word, boldly preaching the word. Signs, wonders following the fire of the Holy Ghost moving in the pews, in the pulpits, 
on the streets, the highways and the byways. Hey, randa bastekiara basoto. And it's easy to pray for a revival for the nation. But it's another thing, another thing to pray for revival for yourself. <sighs> when you say, Lord, here is the place of revival. I'm drawing a circle on the ground and I'm standing right in the middle of it. This is the place of revival. Start with me. Come and touch me. Come and do work on the inside of me. Come by your fire. Touch me. Touch my life. Do a deep work in me. Let revival start right here with me. Because that's really what happens. That's revival. It's got to be, it's got to start in your heart. It's got to start in your heart. It's got to start on the inside of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. And you know what? I'll keep preaching. Just like Noah did for 120 years, if the Lord should tarry, I'm not even moved by anybody's opinion. I'm a preacher of the word. God called me because you weren't there when he touched my life. I was, in, I was in the religion of Islam. He spoke to me in an audible voice at the age of 17. I was instantly sober in my right mind. And I knew that I knew that there's a God and he's calling me. And I know I was there today. You weren't there when I got saved. I had to go look in my face in the mirror. And then you weren't there on November 12, 1995 when I was crying out to God in the, my living room. What is your plan and purpose for my life? And the fire of God fell on me. And Jesus Christ took me up to the third heaven, stood before me and called me into ministry. And I was wrecked. So I have an assignment. I have a, an, I have a mandate. And I'll keep preaching the word whether people like it or not. And I know that people that are hungry for truth and for the real thing will come and receive what God wants to do in their lives. Because you know what? Greater the work you allow God to do in you, greater will be the work God will be able to do through you. So you have to allow God to do a work on the inside of you. And that's what we call sanctification. You want to just set aside the theological word, sanctification. Let's just talk about it. It's change. It's, God. it's allowing God to come and do a work on the inside of you. Allowing the, the word and the spirit working together in your life. That's, that's what it's going to take. And it's going to be up to you. It's going to be up to you and I. We have to allow God to do that work. We have to be hungry for it. We have to be thirsty for it. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen when you're just sitting at home on a Sunday watching NFL. It doesn't happen. There has to be a purpose. There has to be an intention in your life. I'm going to become more godly. Hallelujah. Here I'm coming into 2023. This year, Lord, I want to change like never before. This, I want this to be my best year yet. I want this to be the year where you do the greatest amount of work on the inside of me. Because let me tell you, you, you come to that place. You come to that place of decision. You let God do a work on the inside of you. You watch and see what God will do through you. See, everybody wants God to do something through them. And, and that's the other thing here in America. Everybody's in the ministry. Everybody wants a ministry. But you know what? You, don't have, you have no ministry until God's done a work on the inside of you. Yeah. Ministry comes out of what God has done on the inside of you. Otherwise, it's just another bunch of people parroting what this one is saying and that one is saying, preaching other people's sermons, prophesying other people's prophecies, and there's nothing real. There's nothing of substance on the inside of them. And I'll tell you what, it has to be real to you. Yeah. 
before it can be real through you. We need leaders. We need preachers. We need, some, we need to get back to some old school Holy Ghost revival preaching. We need preachers that are going to preach the word. Hallelujah. We, we need people that are going to stand for the truth. Hallelujah. And not compromise the word. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll close with this. Go with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We talked about what to do with the soul. And then this talks about, obviously, the soul and the body. We know that the spirit is saved, not healed, but saved at the new birth. But then we have this, the soul and the body to deal with. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. I mean, it's like, can you imagine a preacher begging people? I beg of you, please. To make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So what do you do with your body is you submit your body on a daily basis as a living sacrifice. Now, what happens to a sacrifice? Dies. But a living sacrifice it's like a contradictory term. It's got to die, but it's got to live. And it's basically what Paul was saying. I'm crucified with Christ, and the life that I now, I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. So I'm still living, but I'm not living out of the old carnal nature. I'm living out of the new nature on the inside of me, and I'm a living sacrifice. So what I'm doing is every day, I bring my body to the subjection of my spirit. My spirit, the real me, is in charge. Amen. I drive the car. The car doesn't drive me. I tell the car where to go. The car does not tell me where to go. The body is just simply the vehicle. The spirit is in charge. So every day in my rising up, I say, Lord, thank you. I come today. I'm totally consecrated, devoted to you. I submit my body and actually paul says make your body the members of your body slaves of righteousness not slaves of sin right because a slave makes no decisions a slave has to do what the master tells it to do so my body is my slave the spirit is the master i master this body i tell the body how to be amen because these hands can beat hurt or kill and these same hands can bless and heal so my, my mouth, my hands, my feet, everything fully submitted to the spirit, to the word. My body completely obeys and is yielded. All right? That's what you do with the body. Because our bodies will be saved at the rapture, the resurrection. Until then, we live in these bodies. We have no other choice. You have to like your body. Botox. Makeup. Plastic surgery, whatever you do, it's still the same body. The real change happens in the blink of an eye. When you're changed, your body's changed from mortality to immortality. <laughs> corruptible puts on incorruptible, and you receive a spiritual celestial body. Until that time, we live in these physical bodies. From dust it came, to dust it shall return. Amen. So until the rapture, we're in these bodies. You better like them, take care of them. 
Take care of the temple. Keep it healthy. Keep it whole. Keep it clean. Don't poison it. Don't put stuff in it. <coughs> That's going to hurt the body. Because without the body, spirit cannot stay on the earth. And secondly, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its ex external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed. Everyone say changed. Yes. How? By the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself. See, you have to prove something. You got to prove. You got to prove that the word of God works. There's something you have to prove. You have to work at this. Prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So that's the, the mind, the soul. What do you do? You renew it. I wish I could go like this in the name of Jesus and people's souls could be completely regenerated in the blink of an eye, but it won't. It has to be renewed. That's the one that has to be restored, repaired, renovated, renewed. The spirit doesn't need repairing or restoring. The spirit just needs to be recreated. But the soul is the one that you have to work on. And it just doesn't happen. Boom. And then, whew, look at this. Pastor, would you lay hands on me that I just become completely like renewed in my mind? No, I can't do that. I, I don't have that authority, power, the ability the only way to renew your mind is to go in the Word and, and learn and, 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 and be taught and change the way you think. You know, that takes work. That takes devotion. That takes effort. That takes discipline. That takes dedication. And that's what we have to do. And if we're going to prosper, be in health, succeed, overcome in these last days, and you know we are in the last days. There's no doubt about it. We are in the last of the last days. If we are to overcome prosper be victorious in these last days it is going to require everyone every christian every believer to submit to the process of sanctification so that god can continue to do a work in them and the moment you begin to resist change and the work that god wants to do in you you will fall by the wayside i'm sorry to say but that is the truth and i cannot sugarcoat anything today i have to give you the word as it is and the final verse I'll close with is Ephesians 4, 27. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Not the translation says give no place, but the real is foothold. What does that mean? That's dominion. That's authority. That's access. Amen. What does he say? God will give unto you every place, right? Where your feet are, you take dominion. Don't give that foothold to the enemy in your life. It could be a tiny little crack. He gets in there and he's going to take authority. He's going to take dominion and he's going to try to work in your life. So you got to shut every door. You got to shut every door. You got to kick out everything. You got to pull down every stronghold, which is mindsets. So that you can walk in freedom, you can walk in health, you can walk in the blessing, you can walk in victory. Amen. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. 
Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.